All right. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us for part two of Dr. Rob Kelly. In this episode, we get into a little more of the shooting the professional shit component of the episode here. Never found that, man. But the program he taught me is the one I do today. That's why we have a 97. It's actually 100, but no one believes us. 97% success rate with over 7,000 patients over 30 years. I've been doing this and uh, it changed my life. And, and in, in doing that, it changes other people's lives. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how that all started then, your, your program and um, how that got off the, off, the, uh, off the ground and going? Yeah, well, I always knew I wanted to, to build something and help somebody because I'd have, I'd have sort of promised to myself if I ever got off the streets, I'd spend the rest of my life working with the alcoholic and the families. This is before anybody else started to introduce the families. So that's what we set out about doing is, is looking at the alcoholic and seeing you know, what the problem was rather than what they thought it was, how the family was involved. Then we, and then we go back and we do the trauma. So today's program is a 90-day program. It's one hour a day. We only do telehealth. Um, we're 100% telehealth now. We've been doing telehealth for eight years. It wasn't suddenly a overnight telehealth provider. That's bullshit. You can't do that. <laughs> I needed a second PhD to do that for behavioral science reasons. But yeah, so <clears throat> it's a 90 day. We offer, we're the only company in the world to offer a money back guarantee if you relapse whilst following our program when you finish. So if you ever relapse again, we'll refund your money. Never heard of before. Um, and the wife <clears throat> or anybody else over the age of 18 that lives in the house must come on as well and do two days a week. Otherwise, we will not take the patient. There's lots of other stuff that goes into it, but it's kind of built round with over the years adding new stuff. So we've got the traditional psychology. We've got the NLP, neural linguistic programming. We added the somatic experience. And then the latest thing we've added, which is only six or seven of us right now licensed, is brain spotting, which is into this uh, pupil and through to the subconscious brain to drag all that trauma up. And once we clear the trauma up, we call it going back to the scene of the crime. And then we pull them into the future and recovery and all the great things that we can achieve. Um, the program pulls together and uh, everybody that comes through goes on to better their life, be more successful or be a better dad or whatever they think success looks like. And yeah, we just have fun, man. I mean, we've done, we've done a lot of work with a lot of people. We do 20% of our deal is pro bono. We work with vets. We work with other, the police departments. We, we just give back and give back. We give about 150,000 back into the community last year with one parent families. If you were one parent and you wanted your kids for the weekend, we'd pay all the court costs. We'd buy your little apartment, whatever it took. Or sorry, pay the rent on it for 12 months just to get people back together again. And I think what we try and do is, is, uh, we try and put families back together and help people be kind, live life on life's terms, live the dream instead of dreaming of living, all these great stuff. All my staff are individually picked and uh, everyone is at 10 every day when they come into work and just have a great time. And we just love what we do because we do what we love. It's amazing life. I have a fantastic life today, way, way far from the, uh, from the, the, uh, the old days, but I think that to look back, the highlight of my life was about two or three years ago in the middle of the night. There was a ping on Messenger, and I looked at it just in case it was a patient, 
and it was my daughter from Manchester, the eldest daughter. And she said, Dad, I want to see you. Just I've just seen you on TV. Uh, <clears throat> can you can, can you come over? So I said, I have something to show you. So we jumped on the red eye and was over there within 14 hours. And I went up to the door. Now, I'd not seen this girl for almost 20, 30 years. Maybe it was 30 years. I don't know. But as they opened the door, we hugged, we cried. My wife was there, my current wife. And it was just so amazing. And then she walked me into a living room and then she handed me my three-month-old granddaughter. And it was right there. And then I knew I'd been doing the right thing. You know, I'd been helping and giving back. And then she said she wanted to go to school and she wanted to do what I did. So we paid for her to go back to college. And as, as of about a year ago, she became my lead therapist and manager in my Manchester office in the UK. Wow. That's amazing. So you guys have began to rekindle your relationship? Yes, 100%. We've been over, we go over two or three times a year. She's coming over here, but yeah, we speak every day. Um, I just, uh, I'm just so blessed that she allowed me back into her life. <clears throat> she was only young when I left, but imagine all the horror stories they heard which were right which were, were you know it was fair game that but yeah the relationship is very strong today uh, I still have the first message that she sent me on messenger saying hey dad because I've not heard the word dad for 30 years so I have that printed on my wall at home and I kind of uh, <clears throat> it's funny because uh, about 12 months ago she sent me a she sent me a birthday present and it was when I opened it was, a, it was it was a key ring but I didn't know what it was it was just like a little thing to put in the keys and then this gray squiggly thing and I'm like okay well it's a key ring that's cool so she called up in the afternoon and said dad did you get your present I said yeah I've got it thank you so much the phone went silent I said you okay and she went yeah did uh, do you know what it is and I went I have no idea what it is but it's awesome it's a key ring and she went no dad that's the sound bite from the song that used to sing me in the car from that group I liked. And I thought, I've just gone to heaven. Unbelievable. So yeah, it's uh, definitely rekindled. Uh, earlier you said that <clears throat> how you couldn't even quit for your quit drinking for your kids. And I kind of was in that similar situation at one point, um, just putting my daughter in bad situations and could not quit even though I was told you should quit for her until I yeah. and I just think it that's how sick and twisted your mind can get if you can't even quit and thinking back at that now for me I'm very thankful I did quit like I was able to start the recovery process but it's just it's hard to think back like how could you not quit for something so special but you know what I mean yeah I mean that's what intrigued me is when I was when I was suffering uh my dad used to say to me just quit for the children you come like and people say why can't you quit just for the children what's wrong with you you got beautiful wife you got all this you know nice thing why can't you just quit and I didn't understand that and when I went to my peers that they didn't really know and I went to the doctor and he sent me back to the 12 step rooms I'm like this is nobody knows but when you go into depth of it and you find out that you know we can't stop it's virtually impossible for us to stop once we start and and that when I have the first drink I cannot stop 
So that mental obsession start, I'll get away with it. It'll be different this time. Nobody's going to know, blah, blah, blah. So I take that drink and then the physical allergy. You can't crave for anything that's not already in your body. So I can't crave for alcohol if, if I've been abstinent for more than 72 hours. So it's that mental obsession. It's the brain telling me to drink. So we can't stop for our kids, just like you said, Jared. We can't stop for anything. And that's what I that's what I wanted to get out to the general public is this isn't a choice, guys. That there, there, there are men and women here dying on a daily basis from this disease, and you think it's a choice? You know, it's just like it's it's crazy how people are so uneducated when it comes to alcoholism. And that's one thing that my company does around the world is we educate people. You know, I speak to doctors, I educate. Uh, new doctors. I, I've got a talk next week in, in uh, next month in in Dallas, Texas, where it's a teaching hospital with with uh, forty five uh, new doctors that are just coming through and teaching them about alcoholism because we need to know more about this. It's not just something that you know we choose to do. It's, there's a difference between the the heavy drinker or someone who abuses alcohol and the alcoholic. I often say when I'm when I'm te- when I'm talking and teaching to the police. It's like there's a difference between the alcoholic and the abuser of alcohol on a Friday night. One needs to go to jail or one needs to go to hospital. End of story. Why are you locking these guys' alcoholics up? This is not a choice. It's like going to the doctor and he's I'm going to hit you with this thing on the knee. Try not to jerk your knee. Can't do it. When he taps it, you jerk. It's a knee-jerk reaction. It's the same with alcohol for me. Same thing. I could not stop no matter what you did to me. I couldn't stop. Somebody once asked me in a bar, when I was drinking, if I put like a good half pint of, of scotch on the bar on a gun, and if you drank the scotch, you had to shoot yourself in the head, would you take it? I'd say all day long, all day long. I'd take, I'd take that, I'd take that all day long, because I'm not bothered about what follows. My my full mental obsession and concentration is on that whiskey. As long as I can get that inside me, I don't care what happens after that. And that's the case, you know. And people think I was crazy. When you have alcoholism, you are crazy. The definition of insanity is me not being able to see my own truth. I was insane. The stuff I did was absolutely insane. And the way I acted, how I didn't kill anybody, just by the grace of God, that's all. I find it so interesting how obsessive you can, well, you can get over alcohol too. Like, because I would, I'd like sometimes drink in the morning if I had to, but I would go all day at work without it, but all the entire day I would be thinking about it and just like the whole day until I was off work. So it it really takes over your whole mind and everything you do, right? It does. And and, and while that happens, again, with the hypothalamus that tells us drink, but also the basal ganglia, which is our repetition strength and confirms part of the brain. It's like we are what we do repeatedly. So if we're a pilot and we've got 10,000 hours in the air, then we can do it without even thinking. But with alcoholics, the basal ganglia is broken. So what we do is we drink and then all the remorse and we try and get sober. Then we get the job back and the wife comes back and we get the kids and the car's nice and everything's good and bang, we relapse again because it's broken. And that brokenness is down to neural pathways that are self-sabotaging. We have more self-sabotaging neural pathways than other people do. So whatever happens in our life, if it's good, we'll self-sabotage it. If it's bad, we'll drink anyway. So it's a no-win situation when 
when it's alcoholism. And the in it, guys, if you listen at home and you don't know, you know, if you're an alcoholic or not, trace your family history. Try and find out if there's alcoholics in the family. If you can't trace it back three generations, you probably abuse alcohol, you know, but it's always it's always in the, fa the family lineage. Well, you got to be careful of when it gets to granddad. Granddad liked to drink. That means he's an alcoholic, but they like to put it nicely those days because he didn't really know about alcoholism. So, yeah, you can trace it through. And it's uh, it kills more people than anything else on this earth. But the, but it's not reported that way. We did our research in Richardson, Texas, in hospitals, Friday and Saturday night. First of all, 90% of people that came through the door were intoxicated or under the influence of drugs. Everybody, 90% of people. But also when they died in the hospital, it went down as different things. It went down as, you know, liver failure or car crash or, you know, left a pan on at home, fire. It never went down as alcoholism, which it was. You can see the history of alcoholism with the medical records, but uh, it's not reported. And the reason isn't reported is, is because there's so much tax that can be had for all the governments around the states around the world that they're not going to ban it. But if alcohol came out today, they would not allow it. They would ban it instantly because it kills that many people and affects families in that way. Rob, Rob, you sort of answered my next question, but is there something else? I mean, you talk about tracing your family history. Um, I mean, for someone that may not know, you know, they're, they just think they're going through a phase They're drinking a lot. Uh, how else can we prevent it and, and kind of catch it early, I guess, for, for some people? Is there some other warning signs you uh, suggest people to look for? Like, you know, blacking out your first couple of times drinking. Is that like a big sign or? Um... Huge sign. Absolutely. So if you, here's the deal. If you don't, if, when you take the first drink, can you stop? As in, if you go to the bar and you have a, a pint of beer or whiskey and you have two and then stop completely and go on for six months and never touch it again, then you're probably not. What you find is alcoholism is sneaky. So it'll, you'll become and you casually drink, then you might drink it a bit heavier, then all of a sudden you cross over when you can't go to the bar for, for one drink. In fact, if, if alcoholics are going, and I've done it so many times, like to a party, I would rather not drink at all than have one. What the hell is one? I don't want to have one. Like, it's just like, you know, it's crazy. It's just, it, it's insane. I, I don't get it. I see people in bars all the time, even now. They, the wife takes a sip of a wine and he takes a sip of his beer and they have a 20 minute conversation and she sets another sip and then they walk away and they leave half the glass. And I'm like, that's alcohol abuse right there. It's like, drink the wine. But I want to scream at them like, geez, just drink the wine. Yeah, they just they can just take it with impunity, you know. They they don't have to suffer like we do. When I drink, shit, bad shit happens all the time, all the time, you know. It ends the three ways. It ends all the time. I get arrested, or I end up unconscious somewhere, or I'm in a psych ward. That that was it for me when I drank. Towards the there was no. Oh, you're gonna wake up tomorrow with a nice head in somebody's bed. No, it was a psych ward strapped down to a bed. With doctors going, oh, my God, you're in so much trouble with the police. They're outside now. And me trying to get up handcuffed to the bed and strapped down. I'm like, oh, what the hell happened last night? That's what happens when I drink. It's never, you know, my sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but <clears throat> I was driving on the road sometimes 10 years sober, I don't know, in Manchester with a convertible, sunny day. I passed a wine bar, looked over, I saw these two guys with two girls half their age. Like it wasn't the wives, and I don't know why they were drinking champagne. And all of a sudden, it was like it's like a beer commercial. She just did it. It was quick. She flipped his blonde hair, but it went in slow motion to me. 
And I'm looking at this while I'm driving slowly. And I, my head went, oh, my God, those were the days. Those were never the days. I'd have tried to abuse them women. I'd have beat the men up so they didn't stand a chance. I'd have fought with the doorman and I've had a battle with the police. But my, my head goes, those were the days. They were never the days for me. And that's why I have to watch my head is that it goes there. Oh, it wasn't that bad. It was always that bad, Rob. Well, you know, your wife didn't die. What? I, that, I even said that to myself when I, well, she didn't die. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I could just, you know, every single time. And, and, and the reality is that's the insanity of the disease, you know, and, and, and there's only one way out of this. And that's to, to get help, to, to get the, to the right place. Because there's so many charlatans out there, you know? So many, I mean, there's some brilliant treatment centers that we work with. Let me prefix this for I'm going to piss a lot of people off. But a lot of people out there who don't care. Why is little Johnny coming back in your treatment center for the fourth time, still playing, th still paying 30 grand a month? It's like, what are you doing? This just doesn't seem, nobody cares in America. It's like if they can't, if the pharmaceutical companies run this world. If they can't give you a pill, or somebody can't stick you in treatment center for 30 grand a month, nobody wants to know. And that's the biggest battle we've had, is like people don't want to know. We've been, we've been tried to be shot by people. Well, if you say this, we might serve you with a cease and desist. Yeah, if you do, I might just slip in, bury you in the desert. Oh, Rob, you didn't just say that. Oh, my God. I was just joking, of course. Rob, um, we were all in rehab together, and that's where we met. Um, and the one day, uh, the one counselor was talking about, there isn't a rock bottom. Do you think there is a rock bottom or is it your own rock bottom or what do you think? That's a great question. Um, I, I believe there is, and you need to get to it, but here's, here's what, here's what we found with our research and experience. We picked a lady up, uh, from a very wealthy family in a hotel at $5,000 a night for the suite, drinking $500 bottles of champagne, that was her bond. When she literally said to herself, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. So you don't have to be homeless like me. There are rock bonds, but it could be at any time when the mind and the body just goes, I'm done. You know, And that is the best place to start, unfortunately. You guys know as well as I do that if you're not ready, you're not ready. You know, that obsession that, you know, it's not me, it's not me. Don't call me an alcoholic. I just have one. You know. The research we've done, which is very interesting, is that most people that died from alcoholic poisoning but were brought back to life uh, in the hospital, we asked to go and see them. And four to five of them, that's all we saw, said the same thing. I didn't drink that much that day. So that's alcoholism. You don't have to. It's not the quantities, it's not the times, it's not the amounts, it's not, you know, what it is, beer or what, it doesn't make any difference. It's like, it will come and get you. So when you when you are at that rock bottom, if you survive that, then you know that life's going to be good if you get the right help. But of course, the key is getting the right help, of course. But yeah, there, there's life after recovery. There's amazing life. when you When we clear the brain of alcohol and drugs, the alcoholic brain is one of the most fascinating brains around. It's the smartest brain around by far. You see, if, if you're born alcoholic or into an alcoholic family, but you don't drink alcohol, which we found, they're the guys running Google and Apple and, and uh, all the Amazon. Not specific, those guys, but the, the geniuses. Every one of us are geniuses. And we can, we can attain everything we want to do. This is what we teach our guys, our patients all the time. 
that you can achieve anything you want to do and literally anything. Quantum physics tells us time and time again that we can. And uh, we, we, we get people reaching for the stars and it's like, if not you, who? If not now, when? Stop, you know, what, what are you scared of? But the trauma stops us doing. And when you look at the trauma going back, the correlation between what's happening today in their life, like let's say a girl keeps walking into the relationships, he ends up being an alcoholic, he ends up violence. You go back to parents or caregivers, the same thing happened then. But we attract what we think we are worth. So the mirroring part of the brain will always attract the trauma that you went through as a kid. I have I have 93, 94 pair of, of training shoes, sneakers. And I never knew why I used to go to the basement bargain because I'm a cheapskate, uh, you know, buy like Adidas for like $30, $40. And then I went to see a therapist some years ago. And I, I told her this. She said, I'm, I've got 93 pair and 100 pairs or whatever. And she said, that's interesting. Where did the trauma come from? And I'm like, I'm Mr. Know-it-all. Like, yeah, you can't teach me about trauma. It didn't come from anywhere. Turned out that when I was a kid, I used to have to walk to school in shoes and socks that had holes in them because my mom and dad could only afford to buy our shoes twice a year and our socks twice a year. So if we got holes in them, they used to cut round cardboard in the morning, put them in my shoe. And as I walked to school in the snow, they'd come through and I'd be walking actually on the snow with these holes. And then she said to me, what does mom and dad do for, for enjoyment? I said, oh, they go to the pub every Friday and Saturday and Sunday night, you know, to have their downtime. And she said, does your mom and dad go to the bar in there, holes in, with their socks and shoes? And it all came crumbling down. So everything we do, something that seems to be an obsession, it's tied to trauma. Every time we want to self-sabotage a relationship, we don't get on. We're not very good at work. We can't communicate. It all goes back to the trauma. And if you don't clear the trauma up, you'll never recover from this BS. What are uh, some good top tips of clearing the trauma? Well, you've got you've got to you've got to be really honest with yourself first of all, and you've got to get to somebody who's an amazing therapist or doctor like me, <laughs> who knows about trauma. So it's always said that if you are if you want to clear trauma, you've got to go to someone who's been through the trauma. If you're an alcoholic and drug addict, want to get well, you can't go to somebody that's just been to school for it. You have to know what I've gone through. Like I have to know what you guys have gone through. Your patients, I have to understand. That if I don't. Like, I don't understand gambling addiction. It's the only addiction we don't touch. I don't understand it. I've never had experience. I don't get it. I don't know what causes it. I stay away from it. Now, you give me an alcoholic, addict, trauma guy, I'm working with you all day long. But you have to know what you're dealing with. And you have to make sure that the person you go to is experienced, not only education side, but also life. That If they've been through themselves, they've got a way out. But it's all about, can you imagine a, a ball of wool? with all different color threads, like 10 colors, all different color, yellow, blues, greens, everything in a ball of thread. That's what people come to me like. They have this huge ball with all these different strands in it. What we do is we pick out the red, for instance, and we put it up in a ball and we stick it on the wall. And we pick out the other red and we stick, put all the reds here, all the greens here, all the yellows there, all the blues here. This is this is uh, your childhood. This is the rape. This is the molestation. You know, this is the beating up. This is the abandonment. And we get it all in different parts so that you can look at your trauma and the recognition that most trauma lives in the, in the subconscious brain. So pulling that out is stuff like somatic experience, uh, EDMR, 
brain spotting where we go. Because I can tell you what my trauma is or what I think it is, but you can bet 30% of that trauma is subconscious. How can I tell you something that's subconscious to me? So that's when them tools come out where you can actually extract away from the subconscious into the conscious brain that they share. Once they share and they talk about and we work through it, the trauma's gone. It's uh and and because we do that, neural pathways are no longer self-sabotaging. They're they're also for self-care, for self-development. Uh there's, there's four chemicals every day that we need to have in the brain to make sure we are happy, joyous, and free every single day. A lot of people don't know about that. Uh, so it's all these things that we use, either conscious or subconscious, that we pull out. Then we look at the life and, and we reward them with life itself. That if they want a better job, we can go. So we're not stuck just unraveling the trauma. We're also moving forward so we can see the benefits of getting well and how clear a thinking we are and that we're not going to self-sabotage at the first point. So Rob, if um, someone was looking to get treatment with you, um, how would they go about doing that? Just jump on any search engine. Uh, I spell my name with two Bs, R-O-B-B-K-L-O-Y.com is the website. If you put Dr. Rob Kelly, R-O-B-B-K-L-Y, into any search engine, all my stuff will come up there. And uh, yeah, just hit one of the buttons. If you go to the website, there's actually a button on there that comes straight to, through to my cell phone. I've no idea whose idea was that, but apparently that <laughs> happens. So <laughs> so if you're thinking out there, but I'll tell, tell you something, guys, you know, I, I often do this on, on good shows. I save this for good shows, but you know, if you're sat out there, guys, and, and, and you're thinking that you're not good enough and you're not going to amount to anything, uh, first of all, I want to apologize to you because somebody's put that there. We are born with million-dollar minds. Stop hanging around 10-cent minds, please. But if you're actually sat there in that state, why don't you call me? 214-600-0210 is my personal cell phone number. I will give you a pep talk in 10 minutes. So I will give you a 10-minute pep talk that will change your life. And do you know if it doesn't, I'll send you $100 for your time. Okay, I want you to know that you're not on your own. I want to be the Derek for every single person out there. This isn't about the money. Am I expensive? Hell yeah, of course, because of what I do and who I work with and the experience and blah, 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 and the schools and colleges and all that degrees and stuff. But have I still got my feet in the trenches? Hell yeah. So if you'll say, well, I can't afford, just jump on the phone. Let's have that 10-minute talk. And if we need to help or guide you to somewhere, we'll do that. But our only aim here is to help the suffering, you know, it, we, we don't chase any money. We chase the dream that we're living. My, my favorite saying is, I think it's, I think it's out there somewhere as we've registered somewhere, but it's, uh, are you dreaming of living or living the dream? That's what you've got to ask yourself every day. If you're living the dream, we're on, we're on, we're on board, man. But if you're just dreaming of living, like I used to do when I was on the streets, like you don't need, you don't need survive it at 25% of what you can survive. And, and you're working on 25% of what you're capable of doing. So once you, once you come to it and you start working with it, 25% goes to 100 within the 90 days. And now you now you peak performance and do anything you want to do. But it all starts with that phone call, you know? And, and this is what we do as well. If, if, you're a, if you're a wife or a husband and, 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 the, and the partner's drinking, or if you're a parent and you're worried about, you know, your teenager's drinking, you can call us and speak to our girls 24 hours, seven days a week. And we don't call, we don't care if you call every day for an hour for the next five years. You'll never be charged. And we only want to help you because all my staff 
are recovered alcoholics and addicts, and they've all gone through what we've been through, and and they're knowledgeable. You know, people often look they'll look at your lifestyle, Rob. Look at that big house and cars. Yeah, at what price? I don't get to go home and see my kids. I don't. I've never seen my youngest one. I don't get to do that. Somebody's got to stand up there and pay this price to stand up and go. Hey, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. First of all, I'm always the guy that says things that other people are thinking anyway. Everyone knows me that. That's why they call it the Gordon Ramsay of the addiction world. I don't care cursing at you. I don't. I don't mind a bit of that. You know, putting you in your place. I don't mind all that. You know. But at the end of the day, I'd rather help someone for ten minutes than hear of their funeral. That's for sure. Uh, I really enjoyed and li- listening to you, and uh, it was awesome. But if anyone's thinking about not calling, can you just give us a little flex again, just to show them? Yeah, yeah, hey, listen, <laughs> I'm 61 years old. Look at that. Arnold Schwarzenegger said to me one day, oh, my God, I'll look at them arms. I'm like, hey, Arnold, calm down, will you? <laughs> um, Rob, I had one, one last question for you. Uh, have you still been in contact with Derek? And uh, have you ever, you know, did you ever reach out to him and thank him? Holy damn, no one's ever asked that question. Uh, well, <laughs> wow. Uh, no. <laughs> Is the, is the answer. And I'll tell you why, because uh, about four or five months after all this happened, maybe six months, a year, I can't remember the time, but I, I kind of moved out and got my own apartment. And then years later, I came to America. So no, I lost contact when I came to America. And I've never, I've never really, I've tried to look for him, but yeah, I've never found him. But it's, uh, I, know, I know he's out there somewhere, but uh, he's a great guy. You know, he, he worked with a lot of people out there. But so maybe he's listening. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? He's from Scotland as well. He's from that place that nobody talks about. He's from that place that five million people have a speech impediment. Oh my God, you just didn't say that, did you? The Scottish people going, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill that wee boy. Uh, Awesome, guys. You guys have any more questions for Rob? No, I'm good. I appreciate everything you're doing. And uh, no, that was awesome. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Educational and motivational. It was beautiful. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We'll uh, include your website down below. And uh, thanks again. You're amazing. And uh, guys, if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, please reach out and ask for help. Thanks for listening.